Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wilson. Inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a play. Sheik needs to be in perfect years. The Eagle has landed for the Premiers in 2018. G'day everyone, welcome to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy Podcast for another week. I'm your host Honey Badger 35 Coming up on the show, we'll recap a classy performance from the Eagles in round two. Take a look at the Beagles as they gather momentum ahead of their waffle debut and preview this week's massive game, the grand final rematch against Collingwood. Uh, but I can't do that all by myself, so I'm joined once again by the great man, Miguel Sanchez. How are you? Not too bad. Yeah, you probably could do it all by yourself, but I don't know, one-man podcasts tend not to work. No, they tend to lag, and I don't think anybody wants that. Uh, Miguel, last week we discussed that the Saturday just gone was going to be a great celebration of the Eagles as a football club until the ball was bounced. Well, the ball's been bounced and the game's been played. Did you have a fun weekend? Yeah, probably exceeded my expectations, I think, yeah. It's pretty good. Not uh, not the worst way to rack up the first win either. I'm also joined, or we're also joined, I should say, once again by Mr KK. How are you? I'm good. Happy to be back. Um, thanks for getting a win without me last week, and I'm here to ruin it all again. Yeah, I messaged you after the Brisbane game and said that you'd be banned for life. But, you know, a few a few things were said and a few deals were made and you're back. How do you feel that your uh, your presence on the podcast is going to affect the Eagles this week? Uh, well, when we get to the tips, we might talk about it. Okay. If I don't tip us, maybe that'll do it. We'll go for the reverse jinx down the line. All right, well, look, without being too negative to start, let's look back at some positives. The Eagles got their first win of 2019 on the board. Uh, it was a very, very mature, very experienced performance against GWS. 16-8-104 versus 7-10-52. We doubled them up. And, Miguel, it wasn't the greatest of starts, but when you look back and see how the whole game was played, what was your big takeaway from round two? Yeah, it felt like, um, yeah, as you said, the, the start was a bit yeah, feeling like it was going to be um, a repeat of the week before. Uh, but, yeah, it sort of weathered the storm for about 10 minutes and then everything seemed to click. Um, our forward line was working really well. I think uh, basically scored a goal every third time that went into inside forward 50, which was amazing. And uh, given that you know, Kennedy was quite rusty and you had you know, Petricelli and, um, and Josh Smith down there and you know, some new faces, and Oscar Allen as well, who's going to be a star. Um, the, the forward line worked really well. The defence worked really well and, and was um, important, I think, in that first 10 minutes in, you know, in blunting a lot of uh, GWS's forward entries, um, and not just in the first 10 minutes, but really all through the game. And uh, Tom Hickey was uh, a revelation. He was a completely different player from what we'd seen in the first week. Um, you know, he was channeling Dean Cox for a while there in the second quarter, I thought. He, he was clunking everything. He was having a real impact around the ground and, and also winning the hitouts. So, yeah, a lot went right, pretty much everything, um, except maybe Duggan's got a bit of a knock. And, yeah, otherwise, yeah, great way to get the first win on the board. 
you know, celebrate the milestones for everyone, uh, celebrate the uh, the unfurling of the flag, uh, which was also something that went right. How how spectacular was it seeing Rick the Rock Eagle jump jump off the bloody roof with it? He did a goddamn shooting star press off the roof of a stadium, and for the I assume me, I assume the one person that is involved in this podcast and also likes wrestling. WrestleMania's coming up this weekend. Chuck him in the Andre. Let's get him in. That was incredible. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it reminded me of um, you and I would be fairly familiar with uh, Wilbur the Wildcat at the Perth Wildcats games. Jump me off the roof of the arena and and, par- and uh, abseiling down into the ground. Sorry, into the stadium. So, yeah, it reminded me of that, but from a much bigger height, I thought, and you know, with the premiership flag to boot. Not the worst way to get things underway on the day. Uh, KK, there's a fair few talking points out of what Miguel's just brought up. I think one of the bigger ones for me throughout the day was the defence. If you have a look at GWS accidentally scored the first goal of the game, and that's all it was. It was a pure accident. Cameron scored a goal for them with about 17-odd minutes left in the last quarter. Either side of that, so they didn't score at all for the final 17 minutes of the game. They only scored an accidental goal in the first quarter. The defence was stifling all throughout. Would you agree? I would. I think the whole performance is really a measure of efficiencies inside both arcs. I think we're, we do have the best back line, I think, in the league in terms of how settled and experienced they are and knowing their roles. And we were really efficient at the other end, despite, as Fivey said, having a bit of a, a makeshift forward line with a few unfamiliar or underdone faces in there. I remember I said just before half time, I don't really know how we've doubled their score up to this point because it seemed a pretty even even contest and they had a lot of times where they had the run in the midfield and yeah for the back line to be able to repel that and not concede when you've got Hoskin um, Hoskin Elliott Whitfield running around like a unregistered dog through the midfield and to not to concede a a losing score from there was was very good. So you talked about efficiency between the arcs the inside 50s count is something that's come up a few times on the board after the fact. So the final count is GWS 62, West Coast 47. So there is quite a stark gap there. And a few people have raised concerns that that's not the sort of pattern you want to get into, you know, losing the count by that much. But I will note, GWS had 15 inside 50s before we'd had two. So it was 15 to two in the first nine minutes of the game. After that, it was more or less even throughout. So I think maybe they just didn't come out firing. And we've seen slow starts last year perhaps be a bit of a factor. Um, but it was, I think you've both mentioned it now, just that efficiency inside inside 50, you know, scoring once every two times we went in. And as Miguel said, a goal almost once in every three. You compare that to GWS, they scored a goal 11% of the time they went inside 50. So hats off to the back line. It was a phenomenal effort. Another phenomenal effort from Norm Smith, Luke Shuey. Miguel, he absolutely ran the place. He kicked two terrific goals, Judd-like, if you don't mind. Yeah, was he robbed of a third one as well? There was, there was a couple of times we were robbed of goals, and I'm trying to remember who it was. Fardy was one. Yeah, so he he kicked the third one wherein Darling was judged to have pushed oh, that's right. yep. in the goal square. And then not a, not only did the goal get wiped off the board, but it was it was Shuey gathered, the whistle went as the ball was coming down to his foot, he's banged it through for a goal, and they charged 50. So that was an interesting exchange, but ignoring that, Shuey just dominated the day. Yeah, yeah, he was fantastic. Um, makes you wonder why they didn't tag him. Um, I don't know if they really put any time into anyone, uh, but yeah, he he was amazing. Sheed was uh, was solid again. Um, yeah, the uh, the midfield's clicking, and now they're going to have to squeeze Gaff back in there. 
So, yeah, some some good problems to have. KK, uh, Shuey not only not the only midfielder who uh, who stood up, but I think another exciting sign out of it, as we've already touched on a little bit, is Oscar Allen. He was a real story coming out of the game. He had three. He could have easily had four, if not a few more, you know, pending the bounce of the ball. Took, took marks all over the ground, looked an absolute star, and uh, we've got a real prospect on our hands here, don't we? We sure do. It's it's hilarious watching certain other clubs, name them, um, just go through years of attempts of trying to draft good key position players, particularly forwards, and... Here's a guy, we didn't even take him with our first pick. We had that luxury. We could uh, <laughs> wait for our second pick. And absolutely, the, the kid just looks like a ready-made AFL player. And it's, it's amazing that he's that he's still so young. And uh, yeah, he had an absolutely terrific game. KK, we'll stay with you for this one. Last week, we talked on the pod about a little bit of concern, you know, with how the, the club stood up to the pressure of Brisbane. Obviously, there were a few interesting factors in the game, but the point remains that Brisbane got on a massive roll and they kicked, was it 13-2? to What was the goal count? in? Anyway, they went on a terrific run where none of the club leaders stood up and you know it wasn't a particularly mature way, I think you'd say, to close a game out. This week, after trailing 23-22, to midway through the second quarter, the Eagles just closed the game 82-29. to I know we talked when you were last on the pod about a few games where the club really stood up and and put their foot down, drew the line in the sand and said, no, we're going to take the sting, we're going to close this game out. How impressive is it to see them bounce back from a tough round one and come back with that trademark 2018 attitude of just let's kill this game? I think it was really impressive. And I think I talked about on the last time I was on about just the professionalism of it, the experience of being there and done it, done it before. And the Giants are a really good side. Um, they've lost a few players, but there's still a heap of talent there. And there was some pressure on us. We wouldn't want to go 0-2 to start the start the Premiership defence. I kind of suspected at the time that the Brisbane game was a bit of an anomaly. Um, yeah, they got up and about, got in a roll, unfamiliar conditions, first game of the season coming off a short pre-season. I, I kind of kept the faith that we would look like our old selves um, in this game, and yeah, it took a while to get going, but but really when it clicks, you can just see how solid our our structures are, and players knowing their role and just doing the right thing. And you, yeah, you're right, we really we really did take the sting out of the game, and yeah, Shuey was the big part of that. I thought some of our other midfielders were a bit bit down in the first half, yeah, but Shuey was the one who stood up. Miguel. Not just the experienced hands playing a crucial factor. We've already highlighted Allen. What about Jack Petricelli's game? Uh, he's somebody that we've, from an athleticism point of view, we've all got very high hopes for, but definitely his best game of AFL footy. He's been nominated for goal of the round, and, and he really, I think, just put the league on notice, and maybe a few doubters, myself included, that, hey, yeah, I've got the pace, but that can actually translate in games. There will be a time when I can just get on my bike and outrun the rest of the competition. How did you see his day? Yeah, and you know that the, the obviously the goal running down the wing and you know, running away from Zach Williams, who's usually pretty quick, um, that was eye catching. But there was a lot of times in that game where he was using his pace really well, um, particularly when he was sort of you know, chasing and, and putting pressure on um, on Giants players as they were coming out of defence. So yeah, it is something he he was one of many I thought that sort of went missing in the Brisbane game. Um, but yeah, it was really pleasing to see him use his. Uh, 
use his tools uh, in, in that manner. And we'd been told all through the, G, the JLT that uh, he was learning to do that and he, he'd shown really good form at, um, at practice and he'd uh, you know, he had some reasonable performances in the JLT. Uh, yeah, it was great to see him put, a, put it all together. The test for him and the test, I think, for, for Hickey and a few other guys that have put in a really good performance this week will be to back it up. Um, next week away from home and you know, on the MCG against Collingwood because you know, that's wasn't last year so much, but traditionally has been a bit of a, an issue for us performing in that arena. So you know, the senior guys all showed they could do it last year, but you know, now the, the pressure will be on Petrocelli and, and Hickey and uh, and Oscar Allen and those guys to to come along for the ride. I was so impressed with, it, with Petrocelli finishing off that goal. He almost got one in the first half as well. Um, he did sort of been teasing throughout the pre-season that he was going to do that, and I was really pleased for him that, that he did it. Yeah, there certainly was a lot to like about Petrocelli's game. Um, was there anything else that you guys wanted to touch on before we finish with the Giants? I don't know if we talked about Josh Smith and how good was your call on the first podcast saying that he'd be a valuable addition. I thought he was... Uh, really good in the, the role that he came in for, and it's probably not a role that's too familiar to him. I think he normally had played at Collingwood, sort of a wing or halfback, and he had to do a lot of forward work. And I thought he, he was great. It just sort of goes to our ethos of everyone has to play their role, and if, if there's a spot available and you're the next man up, then you've just got to come in and do the team thing, and I thought he did that really well. Yeah, it's a good call with Smith because... We'd been told that he was a great runner. We'd seen in the in the preseason or in the off season, I suppose, that he he trials as a very good runner. Alongside Marston going up and down the wing, Smith in the forward line as well. He he does seem to add another another string to our very hard running bow. And I also thought, Miguel, I know that you and I have had a few chats about Marston over the years. One of the most pleasing signs about this about this team, and it's it's emphasised in that friends family flag. Josh Smith's lining up to kick a goal. It's going to be the first goal for the club. And let's be honest, if somebody's going to take Chris Marston's job long-term, it might well be Josh Smith. But the first guy over there to get around him, big pat on the back, big bear hug, to be honest, from the 200 gamer, it's Chris Marston. You know, it's like everybody in this club seems genuinely very happy for everybody else's success. Yeah, Marston did say on, um, on the other podcast, he was on last week that um, he does have a habit of being the first person there to celebrate with basically everyone. Um, and there's been a few fairly memorable uh, instances of that. But yeah, the, the team just seems really, really tight. Um, you know, even when there's pressure for spots and, you know, and guys uh, that really should be at loggerheads with each other almost. Um, yeah. They all seem very, um, you know, very close with each other. I think everyone got down to Hickey. I, I was, Keeping a close eye out, I think everyone got down to Hickey when he was when he um, kicked his first goal. Even though for the defenders it means they've then got to sprint back and get back in the defensive fifty for the six 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 starting positions for the bounce. Uh, and everyone that sort of there was a couple of players were running off the ground for their rotation, but probably sixteen of the eighteen guys got across to um, to Smith for his goal. So yeah, there's um, certainly looks like there's a very good feeling in the group. Smith. Probably was the um, perfect person to come in and play that high half forward role of getting up and down the ground that um, that we've been missing with uh, with Cripps out, and yeah, um, did that role quite well. And um, be interesting to see what happens at selection this week, but we'll get to that 
Yeah, we absolutely will. Uh, just to tie a bow on the GWS game, KK, we touched on the great flag entrance, the big backflip off the stadium. We had a, a Legends game beforehand. We celebrated some milestones. But that wasn't all that changed from a game day experience on the day. Uh, I'm not sure if you've seen this, but they've also added the uh, sort of a new start, a new chant to, to introduce the team song. Did you get a chance to see that? And what were your thoughts on that update? I did see that, and I liked it. I've often heard the players have felt the same thing by the sound of it, that it's a bit too short. Yes, that was quite a quite a good thing, and yeah, didn't not did not go unnoticed by me when they sang that in the in the huddle. Miguel, your thoughts on the song? Yeah, I, I appreciate what they're trying to do. Um, the, the song definitely needed something. Um, I'm not sold yet on whether that uh, what what there is um, is what it needed, but maybe it'll grow on me. I think the execution probably left a bit to be desired as well. It was a bit rusty, first one up, so you know maybe if we hear it a few more times, we'll really get around it. Yeah, and are they going to now record, re-record the official song? Because we didn't get to hear it at the ground. Um, it was only sort of the players singing it after the game in the in the change rooms where it was first revealed. So, Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I don't know if they... I don't know if it's the sort of thing that suits actually being part of the recorded version of the song. Obviously, we've had a few iterations of the song throughout history, and our one that we've got at the moment is, you know, it's, it's a little better than the last version. They've made some slight tweaks and updates to it, so they're certainly not afraid to change it. But I wouldn't have an issue if they just left that as a post-game team, you know part of the win, part of the experience, but then the actual recorded version of the song was as it's as it stands now. You know, maybe I, I wouldn't have an issue with that at all. No, fair enough. With that, we're one and one on the season. The AFL twenty nineteen season, be it rule changes or incorrect predictions or changes in personnel for whatever reason, has thrown up a number of curveballs early. So one and one actually is looking like an alright place to be. And we will later touch on we're heading into one of the most telling rounds of the season, I think, this round three coming up, not just for us, but for a number of clubs. We will get there, but first we're going to have a waffle watch. And uh, the Beagles start their season this weekend, this Saturday. They play Perth at Mineral Resources Park. Uh, it's at 12.40, so if you do have time to get down there before you head back to watch the, the first team against Collingwood, be a great opportunity to get down and support the boys. But, Miguel, they opened, or rather they closed their pre-season friendly schedule with a pretty convincing win over East Frio, 13-7-85 to 4-9-33. East Frio, not the greatest side. I think they were last year's wooden spooners, but from all accounts, it was a, it was still a fairly strong showing from the Beagles. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. Uh, we haven't got too much in the way of reports. Uh, the, I was just looking at the club's website and they haven't got their report up yet. We seem to have a pretty strong team out there. Um, certainly there was, I think apart from Natanui, Rioli, Gaff and Hamish Brayshaw was out for some reason. But apart from that, I think uh, everyone who wasn't uh, in the 22 or Jackson Nelson missed because he was an emergency. Um, so we probably had about 17 or 18 AFL-listed players available for that game. Um, Keegan Brooksby was the standout, um, kicked five goals while I assume led the ruck as well, unless they um, gave a bit more time to Bailey Williams or Bynes or Fraser McInnes in the ruck. Um, But, yeah, so five goals for a ruckman sort of really put the pressure on Hickey um, for about ten minutes and then Hickey Hickey turned around and uh, showed that he wanted the spot still. Um, 
Yeah, not not too sure who else played well out, coming out of that game. Um, Fraser McInnes kicked two goals. I think he might have finished up with three, actually. Oh, did he? Yeah, I, I, I've tried to piece it all together. As you said, the reports are a little bit scarce, but I've tried to piece it together. Brooksby had five. That's locked in. I believe McInnes yeah. had three. And then singles to Ainsworth, Waterman, Williams, Cameron, and then one of the top-up players, Kieran Hugg. So uh, good for him. Very good for him indeed. Yeah, OK. Well, um, McInnes has had a, a pretty good uh, pre-season then as well uh, in that new role as um, as captain of the Waffle side, which we talked about that week. So we uh, talked about that last week, so we probably shouldn't go too much into that again. Um, Xavier O'Neill, I think, made his first appearance and got through unscathed. Um, Schofield and Cripps as well made their first appearances for the year and got through unscathed. Uh, Fraser, uh, Fraser Francis Watson um, heard a hammy apparently, so not too sure how bad that is yet. We'll possibly find out tomorrow. So according to the West, who had a bit of a recap of the of the game, Watson finished the game on the field, but was certainly being managed and and not at a hundred percent. So hopefully nothing major there. Uh, KK. It was a pretty big game from Brooksby. The five goals obviously leaps off the page at you, but it's fair to assume that he carried the bulk of the work in the ruck, as we've seen the previous week. With Hickey playing how he did, there was a fair bit of pressure on him coming in, but Hickey responded very well. Do you think there's an avenue into the team for Brooksby? Probably. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, Hickey hasn't certainly hasn't stamped the place, stamped the spot on his own. Um, we seem to be pretty wedded to the idea of playing two rucks and we don't have a specific date for Nat Nui's return. So I think even in the case of injury, he might be a chance of getting getting back in. Um, ruckmen are notoriously prone to having things go wrong with them. So, but, but even without that, I think there, there, there definitely is a chance. I haven't seen our, our fixtures coming up, but if there was a, an easy kill coming up before Nat Nui was back, you might see Brooksby getting a chance, particularly if he's going to keep kicking five goals in the waffle. How, how old is he? I don't know too much about him. I know he, he, said he was quite experienced playing SANFL, so I'm guessing he's like mid-20s or so, at least. Yeah, he was drafted um, to Gold Coast a few years ago. He was there for three seasons, and I think he wasn't... Um, he was sort of mature age when he picked up there, so he's probably... About 27 or 28, I think. Um, 1990. Yeah. So he's coming up on, yeah, 29. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I think we picked him up as just sort of an emergency break glass option. But if he's going to keep performing like that, he might be a little bit better than that. And I'd like to see him get his chance. I kind of like the story of guys that have sort of travelled all over and made all the sacrifices to get a chance. Yeah, it'd certainly be a, a bit of a boost for the team, I suppose. And, and Vardy Touchwood has been quite healthy lately, but obviously has a bit of a history. Hickey, phenomenal round two, so hopefully he can just power through and we don't have to ever have the conversation. But but there's a chance that uh, as long as he keeps you know, bullying people in the waffle, basically, uh, good luck to him. It's certainly great for the Beagles and it could eventually pay pretty strong dividends for the Eagles. According to the West, a couple other names of note from the Beagles game. Uh, Matt Allen and Archie also through the middle both racked up a ton of posies they reckon and, and were one of the best they also noted that uh, Jared Brander got a fair few touches playing out on the wing so that looks to be the role Miguel that he he's going to find himself in for the foreseeable future 
Yeah, sounds like it. Um, and we talked, I think, in the first first episode this year about uh, the, the logjam at um, Key Forward and with Kennedy coming back now and, uh, and Oscar Allen sort of um, stamping his name as one of those roles, then, yeah, might have to find somewhere else for Brander and um, the wing could be it in that link-up role. Yeah, Maston's um, position might be under threat. There's a bit of competition for that. But, yeah, having a, a guy who's six foot five and can play that play that position's um, potentially going to be quite important. Quite a little uh, sort of little niche for him to carve himself out there. So that probably wraps things up for the Waffle Watch this week. As we say, the coverage will ramp up pretty significantly with round one on the horizon. Saturday, 12.40pm versus Perth. So it would be great to get down and, and support the club. I know a couple of people have talked about their willingness to to go and support the Eagles at, at waffle level rather than East Perth, you know, now that it's a standalone club. So be a really good opportunity to put your money where your mouth is and get down, have a full day of West Coast Eagles football on Saturday. That brings us to the main event, and it is indeed the main event, not just for us, but you would have to say for the competition this week. It's the grand final replay. The West Coast Eagles play the Collingwood Magpies at the MCG. Fairly familiar opponent at this point. We've played them in three of our last six games. Three of our last 13 have been Collingwood at the G. We certainly shouldn't be rattled. We shouldn't be phased. We should come in fairly confident, you would have thought. Uh, But there's a few personnel changes since we last saw these guys, KK. Absolutely. I was just trying to piece together the two changes, the two teams' changes. We've got Beams and Moore, Jordan Roughhead and Jamie Elliott have all come back from Collingwood's perspective. Uh, they're the you know the yeah. sort of top line players. We'll need to keep note. Gaff and Shepard are the big ones in for the grand final, but as well you will see Oscar Allen, Hickey, Petrocelli, you know a couple of different faces. But there's certainly some some true A graders that have come back to grand final sides. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that that round three's the best time to play grand final replays. I think I'd like to give the teams a bit more of a chance to get going. My dream's always been Anzac Day should be the grand final rematch and you can take it off Essendon. But uh, these teams are looking good enough. I think it will be a good contest. I don't know whatever result, how much it's going to tell us about chances in 2019. I think it's it's far too early to, to say that. But, but any chance to to again um, prove as much to ourselves that we can consistently deliver at the MCG is, is going to be a good thing. I don't really care if it helps me your opinion or anything, as long as it's it's what it does for the guys internally. And for the guys who are coming in, so Oscar Allen, Petrocelli, example, for, the, for them to um, experience a good win on the MCG would be great for them. Petrocelli at the MCG is going to be absolutely lethal for years to come if he can you know, really build some form and stay in the side. That that could be really special. I will say on Collingwood, look, not only has the personnel changed, we saw them dismantle Richmond on Thursday night last week, and it looks that their philosophies changed fairly significantly as well. So last year they led the comp in handballs, they led the comp in disposals, a really manic style, rolling the ball forward, the handball over the top. Uh, it's a similar style to what we'd seen from Richmond in years past. You compare that to the Eagles last year, first in marks, first in kicks, as the stat going around, we were 16 wins, no losses if we got 90 or more marks. So obviously a very well-drilled, patient style. We saw a brilliant example of that against GWS. We held the ball for two to three minutes consecutively, chipping it around, and then we went forward for a goal. Uh, so Miguel, look, I'll, I'll ask you this. Collingwood seemed to have changed quite drastically philosophically since we played them last. 
Is Adam Simpson the most influential coach in Collingwood history? <laughs> yeah, possibly. Uh, it's, it, I think it's a phenomenon every year that everyone sort of tries to copy, tries to copy the premiership side. So uh, if you know, if Sheed's kick hadn't gone through last year, then maybe everyone would be playing you know, a heap of small forwards and just trying to scrum the ball forward and, and go through for a goal. But you know, Sheed kicks the goal, we win, and yeah, everyone's now trying to do the, the kick and mark game. But, yeah, it's going to be a huge test um, for us again, uh, you know, coming off a, a big test against GWS. Uh, Collingwood are going to be right up for the game. Um, you know, they'll have a bit of a point to prove after we beat them. Uh, last time we met them, yeah, they've, uh, you, you touched on the ins. The, they've uh, gotten very strong, I think, with the addition of Beams uh, and uh, Elliot. It's basically a new recruit in the forward line, uh, another year into Stevenson, another year into Tagoe. Uh, it, it's going to be a real, um, real big test for us. So Collingwood, as I've mentioned, you know, they've really changed things up. Last year, we saw our back line get on top of their forwards with some degree of consistency. Tagoe obviously gets off the leash. He's a freak talent. But Barras and Cox had, I would say, quite a strong duel that you'd have to give the points to Barras. Schofield on grand final day was phenomenal, and I think we'll get to that in a minute. But now that Collingwood have changed things up, it'll be interesting to see how that changes because against Richmond, they've had 291 kicks, which is the 11th most ever in, in a game of football by one team. Uh, you know, they've had 174 marks. Compare that to 92 was their season average last year. The most ever is 181. So they've really slowed things down. Maybe that was just a deliberate ploy to get at Richmond and they'll revert back this week, but... Uh, it'll certainly be interesting to see. I think the biggest battle is their new look forward line. Jamie Elliott's back and the new midfield coming through in a wave versus our back line, which, as we saw, is in quite good form against GWS. KK, an interesting point in that matchup is going to be Mason Cox. Now, he's been reported for rough conduct. It's quite a soft incident, you'd have to say, from the goal line camera, but there's been a second angle released today that makes it look perhaps a little bit more intentional than we'd previously thought. First of all, what do you think of the report, and do you think he plays? And if so, how do you think he plays? Uh, I'm going to plead ignorance. I haven't actually seen the incident. I've <laughs> been a bit, bit busy this week. Um, everything I've read about it says it's soft as, but it's the MRO and the tribunal um, doesn't tend to like making them look stupid. So even if he probably should get off, there's, there's no... no um, chance that he won't so uh yeah we'll wait and see I'm, I'm well past trying to predict what the tribunal that will do i think it's telling that they uh released the second in uh, second angle today because they always seem to have this habit of they've been panned from thursday night all the way through and now today monday they've had all weekend to think of it but today is the day that they come out and say oh there's a second angle it's not actually as bad as the weekend's coverage so worth monitoring yeah, I was going to say, I wonder what a lawyer would say about uh, that kind of public releasing of evidence. Anyway, um, I think we've got – Cox, I don't think, is the problem. Um, I think we've got, particularly in Barras and, and McGovern help out, and we've got the tool to deal with him. I'm with you, Elliot, is the one that concerns me. We've, we've been torched by Collingwood small forwards for as long as I can remember. So Elliot's the one that worries me, and, and Beams is a big in as well compared to what they had in the grand final. I will say what 
from what I've seen of Collingwood, their their forward fifty entries haven't been great. They've been pretty inefficient inside fifty and missed a lot of uh, not made the most of a lot of opportunities, much like GWS did. So if, if that continues, then that's that's going to work. We might need to to ride our luck at times because I think they they do have the midfield dominance. I expect we may well lose the inside fifties count again. And it's just a matter of keeping the likes of Stevenson and Elliott from uh, picking up the scraps. Miguel, you touched on it earlier that Duggan's come out of the GWS game with a little bit of a knock. Uh, he's been seen today not practising. This is from Travis King, AFL.com. Not practising uh, and heavy, heavily bandaged on his knee. Now, it is only Monday. The game's Saturday. There's every chance he has time to recover. Uh, you also touched earlier on Schofield coming back through the waffle and he's put his hand up and said that he's completely cleared to play, certainly medically. Do you see Duggan playing? Do you see Schofield coming in? Even if Duggan's healthy, is there a chance that Scoey could come in after his grand final efforts? What, what do you think the back six or back seven, I suppose, composition is going to be this week? Uh, my concern with bringing Schofield in, oh, there's two concerns. One's that he's underdone. I think he, he's, no, Saturday was his first game for the year, really. Um, he got injured in an, an intra-club game before the JLT started and... Um, even though it was only a corky, it seems to have kept him out for about a month. So he's underdone. He's played limited minutes in the uh, in the game on the weekend in a, you know, a waffle scratch match, uh, and it's going to be a big step up um, you know, from that to the MCG uh, against Collingwood in the grand final rematch. Um, that's one concern. The other concern is that I think he makes our defence a bit big with him and... Barass and McGovern and Shepherd all in there. I think it's just a bit, um, bit big and slow. So and Hearn as well, I suppose, who's you know, not the quickest. So if um, if Duggan doesn't get up, and I don't know, he seemed to run out of the game fine. So I, I was a bit surprised to even hear that he was in doubt. But we'll wait and see for that, I suppose. Um, if he doesn't play, then someone else suggested that you know, Josh Smith, who He's a former Collingwood player, so we'd know him pretty well and um, you know, was used the majority of the time at halfback for Collingwood, um, could slot back there and, uh, and be the basically the seventh defender. So I think that's, um, that's probably the way I'd like to go if Duggan doesn't get up. Um, there's not... It uh, might have been a nice chance to blood Francis Watson, but he's now under an injury cloud. Uh, and other than that, there's not too much in the way of small defenders coming through. It's sort of, I think there's Kurt Mutimer, Rotham's being sort of groomed for a key defensive position. Nelson's been moved into the midfield, so Smith might be the man if Duggan doesn't get up. What we're lacking in small defender depth at the minute, we're certainly making up for with our midfield depth, and we've got one of the genuine stars of not just the team, but the competition to come in. Andrew Gaff, long-awaited return, he did media today and said that he wasn't a guaranteed in. He wasn't going to... Co- yeah, all right, Andrew, turn it up, mate. He's coming in. So, KK, Andrew Gaff coming back. We've seen him have great success against Collingwood last year in the home and away at the G. Uh, what do you expect from him? Who does he come in for? And just how good is it to have Andrew Gaff back in the side? In terms of coming in, I I think Smith's probably the last in, first out sort of option, isn't it? I think... Um, any of the other midfielders, they all they're in too good a form to drop. Or in the case of someone like Hutchings, they they play a role that we want to have 
someone in that role in the team. Um, Simpson's always preached the the role driven way of picking the team, and I think yeah, Smith will probably be the one unfortunate to miss out, unless as Miguel said, he comes um, he stays in and Duggan goes out if he's injured. Uh, Gaff, he looked a little rusty in the preseason. Mm. Um, wasn't in in great form. So my expectations aren't aren't too high for him. Uh, but my expectations for the whole game aren't that high either. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just sort of want him to get through it, get the whole sort of pressure of the first game back out of the way because obviously we've got the derby the week after and that's going to be a massive challenge for him given the circumstances. Uh, so I think he'll come in and he'll be a 80% version of his normal gaff. He'll still do all the running, he'll get to the right spots, but maybe touching and kicking might be a bit a bit rusty. Miguel, are you excited to see Gaff back on the home of football, the purported home of football, I suppose? And uh, and if so, who does he come in for, assuming that everybody's at full health? Yeah, I think assuming that um, you know, unless Smith goes back to replace Duggan, then I think he misses out, unfortunately. Uh, the question then is sort of who gets shifted out of the midfield to play that role as the sort of the high half forward. It also provides a bit of um, forward 50 pressure because we've had issues in the past, you know, last year before Gaff got suspended where we were trying to play the extra midfielder in the side and have someone rotating through the forward line. And it was probably Sheed for the most part and it, it wasn't really working. So, yeah, bit of a question as to how we restructure the midfield if we squeeze Gaff into it and and who then misses out. Probably the two options for mine, I think, are um, uh, Gaff to slot into Maston's role and and Maston to um, take the role that Smith played. Um, But the issue with that is he doesn't provide the sort of, well, he traditionally hasn't provided the sort of uh, forward pressure that, that we would need in that role, so we'd need to lift in that regard. Um, the other possibility is Redden, who's probably been the weakest performing midfielder, I think, so far. Um, hasn't really recaptured yet the, the form that got him second in the, the BNF last year. So uh, he's someone that, if he does get squeezed out of the midfield, I think he could go forward and, and do that role. He's got quite a good tank. He does have a pretty good goal sense, and he does... Um, he does tackle pretty hard. He's reasonably um, mobile, uh, even though he's 190 centimetres. He's pretty mobile, so he could potentially fill that role if he's if Gaff's going to squeeze him out of the midfield. So yeah, they're the two options for mine. But I think um, I think Smith has to make way. Unfortunately, he didn't really do anything wrong, um, but yeah, doesn't have the runs on the board that the others have. Uh, I wouldn't be making any other changes. There's been some talk about you know, maybe Cripps comes back in, but I think he you know, sounds like he needs another run as well. And there's been some talk about, um, about Venable's position in the team, which I think is a bit unfair. I think he's been he's been doing his job. You know, we've already spoken about it the other week, but you know, his job's not to get 15, 20 possessions. His job's to sort of you know, provide the forward pressure and... Um, you know, he would have had a few goal assists, I think, on the weekend. I think he he had at least two going to Shuey and you know, just did some nice things and you know, got the hand in and the knock on, the, the sort of stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. So, 
I think his roles, his um, his spot's pretty safe. So yeah, I think the only change other than um, Duggan out potentially would be Gaffer Smith. Venables, his his hands in close in traffic are incredible. There's a couple of occasions on the weekend he's so clean under pressure, and um, I think that that's maybe one of the reasons why he's getting selected. Like the club sees that, and yeah, thought I'd mention it. Yeah, and his assist to Shuey. Uh, obviously, he doesn't rack it up, Venables. This is in terms of you know the, the stat disposals don't jump off the page at you, but he is clean. He's clever. He knocks the ball on really well. And I will say in the changes thread, I had Venables out for Cripps. I didn't feel good about Venables being the one coming out, but it was probably the only name I could come up with. The more I've thought about it, the more I think Cripps probably has to wait another week. He's not an automatic in. I mean. If you threw, threw back a full year, if you put me in round three last season and told me that I'd even consider Cripps an automatic in, you know, that might have blown me away. So integral to us last season, but maybe he has to come back a little bit more. For me, the only change, obviously Duggan, a little bit uh, sore, but um, with Duggan, you know, one way or the other, Gaff for Smith seems the logical choice. We can figure out how they restructure and how they move it all around. But I would suggest that there is a way to fit Gaff into the side uh, and load up the midfield. Collingwood's midfield jumping off the page at me. It was already very strong. Grundy's terrific. Obviously, the numbers and the names that they've got in there are phenomenal. They've since added beams, which we've touched on. KK, Hutchings did an absolute number on side bottom last season. Two of his worst performances were against the Eagles, and his worst performance for the year was in the grand final. So Hutchie, we know, can do a number on, on side bottom. Is side bottom the most valuable person to tag? Who do you think Hutchings gets the job on this week? I think his record against side bottom and the impact that's had on Collingwood as a whole, I think he has to has to go to side bottom to start with, I think. Yeah, I mean, looking at other options, even, I don't know if Beams would be a great matchup for Hutchings just because his size and his ability to, to go forward and, and mark, um, I, could, I think that could cause us some problems. So I think, I think side bottom has to be the one he goes to. I was going to say, the one guy I probably wouldn't tag is Trelaw because he's a shocking kicker in football. He really, for a guy who gets a lot of it, he butchers it a lot. Um, so he's not the guy I'd be tagging. I'd be much happier with the ball in his hands than side bottoms or Pendlebury's. Miguel, same question to you. We've seen Hutchie have great success against Collingwood and really stamp his name on, on the map, especially across our board. You know, a lot of love for him after the grand final last year. Does he go straight to Sidey? I think the only reason you wouldn't do that is if you're just trying to throw Collingwood off a bit. You know, if they've prepared all week for side bottom to have to beat a tag and then you, you do chuck him on on Beams or you know, Pendlebury or someone just to try and confuse them. But, yeah, I think just in terms of the effect it has on uh, on Collingwood's midfield and side bottom sort of been the link-up player, so you know, cutting a link out of the chain by shutting him down has been you know, really effective for us. So, um yeah, my preference would be to do that again. Uh, it'll be interesting as well who Greenwood goes to because you know he um, he shut Yo out of basically the first half. Or whether he goes to Yo again, or maybe they've learnt their lesson and they put him on um, Shuey. But um, that'll be the other really interesting midfield matchup. You mentioned it earlier that GWS didn't really put much time into Shuey. I mean, if anyone, 
having rewatched the grand final so 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 many times, the Elliot Yo narrative, especially in the first half, was was a really big factor throughout that game. And yet, you know, he still bobbed up with an important goal. Shuey was obviously great. Sheed's been in terrific form. Uh, I would suggest that Collingwood will tag Shuey. You don't, you can't not respond or at least be seen to respond against the Norm Smith medalist, right? I, I would have thought that that's what they'll do. And maybe the counterpoint to that, or the the fallout, I suppose, from that is that Yo might get off the leash a little bit. Look, we've looked at the backs, we've looked at the mids, the forwards for Collingwood is an interesting one. We've talked about how dynamic they are. What about our forward line? Jack Darling was fairly quiet against the Giants and yet finished with four goals. Oscar Allen was terrific. He had three and certainly could have been four. Kennedy looked rusty as all hell and still, you know, he came away with a goal, a bit more accurate kicking. It could have been more. He's still the imposing character that we've known for for all these years, for these 200 games now. Last year, Collingwood had a lot of success with Kennedy in the qualifying final, or at least that was the narrative surrounding Goldsack and his return. I've got Darcy Moore back there. So do you think, KK, that Moore will go to Kennedy, Moore will go to Darling? How do you see our forward line trying to counteract what Collingwood are going to throw up? I think they're stronger at the back than they were in the grand final. Um, just looking through their ins and outs, so they pretty much had Goldsack, um, who isn't really a key defender. And now they've got Roughhead and, and Moore. I think Moore's their number one key defender, so I'd expect... Um, I don't know, actually. Maybe maybe more might go to Darling just because I'll keep Roughhead closer to goal and get more up the ground a bit more. I, I would really like to see Roughhead on Kennedy because Kennedy has given him some absolute baths when he was at the Bulldogs. I, <laughs> I haven't watched enough of um paid enough attention to Collingwood's I guess defensive structures and so the two games they play they haven't um I guess originally a bit of a forward line they never used it and Geelong don't have a great a lot of key forwards, so I haven't paid too much attention to how they, they match up Roughhead and Moore in terms of choosing their opponents. It was a typical Kennedy game on the weekend when he comes back from Hendricks. He never comes through the waffle. He comes straight back in, so he's always rusty as hell. And But you could see he's getting better as the, as the game went on, and usually by the second or third game, he's starting to, to find his touch a bit. So I think he'll be fine. It's an interesting one because last year... When we played Collingwood first, Goldsack was still out, and then Moore was out by the time you know the, the finals fixtures had come through. They were hyping how good Moore's game was in that round 17 clash, so I'll be interested to see. A thing I noticed, uh, Miguel, on the weekend was that at centre bounces, we start Oscar Allen in the goal square, we start Kennedy further up, and I assume that's just in case the hack kick falls a bit short, you'd rather Kennedy there. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how they use that because Kennedy can move a lot better than most people who match up with him defensively. Oscar Allen in the square, we've seen him already flexing his contested marking ability. Uh, what are you expecting out of our forward line this weekend? Uh, as long as they um, they get some decent supply, I think um, you know, hopefully we'll see what we saw on the weekend, that they'll be really efficient with, their, with the entries that they get, uh, converting them into goals. I don't think we can rely on um, being... You know, getting 15 less opportunities inside 50 than the, our opponents and still kicking a winning score. Um, we wouldn't want to rely on that. We're talking about really going in with an unchanged forward line other than um, uh, Josh Smith coming out of that high half forward role and someone else taking that on. So, yeah, hopefully they start to, um, well, they continue to work uh, really well together. Alan's basically slotted in seamlessly along alongside the other bigs. Uh, Liam Ryan is one that 
hasn't really shown the um, – he was reasonable against Brisbane. He showed some flashes against Brisbane. He was pretty quiet against the Giants. He seemed to be getting up the ground a bit more, um, so we didn't see too much of him inside forward 50. didn't hit the scoreboard. Hopefully he can um, bob up and kick a couple of goals this week as well. But, um, yeah, forward line, I think um, it's looking in really good touch, even with the um, the new faces in there. So, um, yeah, hopefully we just um, get enough of the ball down there that they can kick a winning score for us. All right, this is the big one. It's the grand final replay. We flag that it's not the end of the season if you lose, but it would be a really handy win to have, even just for jumping over Collingwood in the early stages of the season. KK, we'll start with you. Who wins? What's the margin? Who's the best on ground? Uh, I'm going to try and break the curse by not tipping us. I think Collingwood are travelling a little bit better. At the moment, I think this is a bigger game for them. Um, so it's not the end of the world if we lose. I think they're a top four side, and beating a top four side interstate is just very, very difficult to do, no matter how good a team you are. So I think the Pies... But we'll, we'll keep it close all day, and then we'll just concede a couple late and upset a uh, 20-point margin to the Pies. And I think Hearn will be our best player. I think there is going to be a lot of pressure on our defence and his role in uh, marshalling them, keeping them organised, and being that man to, to um, knowing when to leave his man and intercept and help out his defenders is going to be key to us win all those. So hopefully I'm wrong. I usually am. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Miguel, same question to you. Who's going to win, how much, and who do you think the best eagle afield will be? Um, I will tip against us because uh, so far I think I've got uh, both of our games wrong uh, and I'm sitting on about four out of 18, I think, in my tipping overall for the year. So uh, I am basically the kiss of death. So I'll give that to Collingwood. Um, I agree pretty much with what KK's said about how the game will go. Um, if we do lose it, I think it'll be yeah a close one that yeah we sort of we, you know, give up a couple of late goals something to make it uh, I'll say a fifteen point Collingwood win and our best I, I'll say Yo he'll uh, he'll atone for a, a quiet grand final performance with um yeah with a a, a big uh, engine room showing. I agree with you on Yo. That's who I was going to have for the best eagle of field, so I'll, I'll pick somebody else in a moment. What I will say is, last week I picked us and we won. The week before I picked us and we lost. You can call me optimistic, but I'm going back to back to back. Let's do it. The Eagles are going to win. The Eagles are going to win by 16 points. I'm not saying we're going to run away with it and Collingwood will chip it back. It's going to be close throughout the day. We've seen these teams so many times now battle it off in the last couple of games. Uh, but I think that game, the qualifying final, was probably the telling one where... Collingwood made their charge late and we withstood it and then we just killed the game off. We've talked about how this Eagles side has a has a knack for doing that. So as long as we don't concede that early barrage of goals like we did in the grand final, as long as we can keep fairly confident, keep our heads up throughout, I'm going to say the Eagles win by about 16. Uh, best of field. What about Tom Barras? I picked him last week and I think he had a good game. I'm going to back him in again. I would suggest that he would be our most consistent across the first two rounds. And he will have a job to do on Mason Cox because Cox is definitely going to get off. So let's back in TB to lead the back line and, and really, really marshal the troops down there, make sure that Mason Cox doesn't get a lot.
Right, that's the grand final replay in the books. Best of luck to the Eagles in round three. Now, this is the space in the show where we've got it reserved for question time. I will say we've snuck the podcast out in the dead of night this week and got it out super early. So there's no questions, but I have a special segment for both of you. Uh, This wasn't on the run sheet. You've had no warning of this. So best of luck to you both in this segment. Uh, It's a game of sign, trade, release. So basically, I'm going to give you three names. You're going to pretend that all three of them are out of contract at the end of the season. You've got to pick one to give a five-year contract to to stay at the Eagles. You've got to pick one that you have to trade, and you have to trade them to Fremantle. And then you've got to pick one that you're going to let walk in free agency, but we get no compensation for it. All right? So sign, trade, release. KK, you can go first. This is the first group of players. Oscar Allen, Willie Rioli, Tom Barras. Sign one, trade one to Fremantle, let one walk. What are you going? Oh, God. Um... I don't want to let any of them go. Yeah, that's sort of... Uh, we figured it out. It's not side train release, you know. You yeah, can't even think okay. of, I'm trying to think of crap players. I can't even do it. Yeah, that's the nature of the game. So, Alan, Rioli, Barras. I'll work, I'll work backwards. Um, Rioli's was a mature ager, and the Rioli history is not lengthy careers, so... Um, I might have to release him. And I don't think I could send Alan to Frio because they will just they ruin every key forward they get their hands on. I couldn't do that to the kids. So um, they can have yeah, they can have Tom Barras and we'll take Oscar for another five years. Thank you. Can I just say on Fremantle and Key Forwards, what a midfield performance from star recruit Jesse Hogan on the weekend, hey? What what are you thinking with that? Amazing, throwing him for, uh, throwing him into the guts against the Suns. All right, so you've you've signed Oscar Allen for five years, congratulations, and you've released Willie Rioli, and Tom Barras is going to have to pull on the purple chevrons across town. You happy with that? Well, he's, isn't he mates with McCarthy? I mean, maybe that just might set him off the rails and they can ruin another career. <laughs> Jesus, all right, that's a bit dire. Uh, Miguel, I've got a separate group of players for you. You ready for this? Yeah, I guess. All right, here we go. Elliot Yo, Andrew Gaff, Jeremy McGovern. Sign, trade, release. Um, I'll backwards as well, I suppose. Um, God, this is tough, isn't it? Um, McGovern... I release McGovern only because I think he's now what, about 27 or 28. Uh, he may not have as long left in the game as maybe the others. Um, I'll trade Gaff to Frio because that'd be hilarious. Uh, so who, who am I keeping? Yo, yeah, that sounds right. Even though I think Yo was a Fremantle supporter growing up, so he might like a trade to Frio. No, we'll keep our uh, our reigning back-to-back uh, worst-fold medalist. Um, I'll cut McGovern because apparently we've done some horrible things with the salary cap. And uh, yeah, we'll trade Gaff to Fremantle for the lols. And what lols we would have. That would be quite exceptional. Uh, just so I'm not being hypocritical and I actually get a crack at it, although unfairly I did get to think about it, I'd be keeping McGovern. I think he is integral to what makes our backline tick. 
and what makes our system really work is that intercept off, off the back line. So I'll keep him. Uh, Gaff, I agree. I will, I will trade Andrew Gaff to Fremantle. I hadn't actually, strangely, considered the hilarity of it all, but throw him over there. Sorry, Andrew. Uh, and Yoey can be released into the great unknown. Uh, Oscar Allen I will keep. I will release Tom Barras, and I will trade Rioli to Frio, even though it would break my heart. But the world is cruel and unfair sometimes. Uh, hey, so that is us for the week. Quite a long quite a long one, I think, today in terms of the Collingwood analysis, but I think it deserves it. It's a, it's a huge game this weekend. It'd be fantastic to get a win. It's been brilliant talking to you gents about it. Uh, KK, thanks very much for coming on. No problem. Can, can we just take a moment to think how joyous the turd polishing is going to be on Friday night with the the uh, pre-season narrative of Melbourne versus Essendon and turning out to be 17th versus 18th? I will enjoy that greatly. Oh, there's so much to be thankful for in the football world over this last week. We touched on Frio Gold Coast, Melbourne falling in a heap, North Melbourne falling in a heap, Hawthorne. Candidly, I can admit, they were fairly robbed, but boy, that's funny. Just how good is footy sometimes? Miguel, thanks very much for coming on, and and let's hope we have another fantastic round of footy, right? Yep, and if we lose this one, then KK can, of course, never come back on. Life ban in effect. We'll trade him to Fremantle. (laughs) Uh, All right, guys, thanks very much for listening. It's been great to have you with us again this week. All the best for round three. All the best for your tips, because this has been chaos so far. And uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye.